0: Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study through the Old Testament, and we uh, have been working through the Bible a chapter at a time for eight years now. Um, we got through the New Testament. We started there. That took us a little over five years, and um, we're, we're into our eighth year of working through um, the whole thing together. We're in uh, Exodus, chapter thirty. Today we did all of Genesis, which took a year, and Exodus is taking. uh, I think there's forty chapters. It'll take the better part of a year as well. So we, uh, but we're well in. Um, I like studying the Bible this way. I like the idea of. uh, For those of you who started with me, it's a twenty-year journey on Wednesday nights to work through the entire thing, and I'm, I'm, you know, God willing, we'll get her done, and then. God really willing, we'll start all over again. (laughs) So I I sort of have my next 32 years planned out for Wednesday night, which is comforting. (laughs) And the next, the second round, I'll already have all the notes done. (laughs) Uh, So we're we're pressing through. It's, uh, you know, context. For me, the Bible is so important to have a context that and, and uh, so, you, you know, you read through it, and you, you see how it all fits together. And having done the New Testament now, we're, we're, we're coming across things in the Old Testament that were foreshadowing things that have happened that we've already studied, and now they begin to make sense. Because now we can see, oh, that's why they were doing that. That's why they were doing that. That's what was going on there. And uh, here now in the book of Exodus, as we, as we are talking about the tabernacle, we, we start to see types. Um, um, the high priest, you know, is a type of Christ. But Jesus is the perfect and once and for all high priest. And His is the perfect sacrifice once and for all. Um, today we're going to see some things. We're going to see about uh, uh, another piece of furniture is being built for the tabernacle. And it's about, it's really all about prayer. And then we're going to see another thing where a census is taken and all of the people of Israel have to pay a ransom. Uh, and it's actually a, an atonement. And it's where the idea of atonement is really sort of start started to make known. And it's fascinating that we can talk about it and look back and see what that means and what that looks like. Uh, and remember, through Exodus, I've said four main things that we're hopefully taking away from Exodus is uh, an understanding of the Passover, and and you know the plagues that led up to it, and and, and you know the all that that meant, and how you know the when the when the people of Israel, the way they were passed over and spared death was that there was blood on the doorposts of the sacrificial lamb. And it's a picture of what Jesus would do for us so that we would pass over from, from de- you know, we're just going to be with him forever. And it's just an amazing thing. And then we talked about the parting of the Red Sea. I said, you need to remember that happens in Exodus. And that was significant deliverance um, out of bondage. And, you know, that we can look back to that as we think about baptism and and ah, the picture of what's taking place, you know, through the water, um, that's there. Then the introduction of the law is, hap- you know, we we learn about that in uh, Exodus, and how, you know, the law. I, you know, I, when I when we talked about it, I said it was sort of God's ideal for the the community of the people of Israel, but also it was a precursor because people couldn't live up to it. They everybody would fall short. It would it would hopefully teach them their need for a Savior. Um, and so we have that in play. And now the tabernacle is the fourth thing that really is talked about here. And there's, a, there's 16 chapters just devoted to the tabernacle. And so if you remember a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, I had to spend the whole thing just talking about clothes. And uh, it's not my favorite thing. You know what I mean? I don't do a lot of clothes. I do shorts and a couple of shirts and they They're always the same, and I like it that way. So, but the clothes were a big deal. And there's a a tremendous amount of detail in Exodus, but it was so that they never took this lightly. To me, the the idea of how much detail is involved was so they would never take the presence of God lightly in the camp and what it takes to be in the presence of God lightly. And they would never forget how horrific sin is so that they would never just sin without understanding the consequence. And and uh, around the tabernacle and, and later around the temple would have been constant reminder because it would have been a... It, the activity outside on the way in would be horrendous as they were dealing with sin and there was lots of the shedding of blood and the, the burning of animals and, you know, that something innocent had to give its life for people um, because of their sin and that this would be... Uh, the process, until such time as the great priest who could come once and for all, make the perfect sacrifice and pay for all that and do away with that whole process. But then that we would never take that lightly either, which is sometimes you think what happens. Okay, so today in chapter 40, 30, pardon me, um, we're going to be introduced to a new piece of furniture and it's called the altar of incense. And um, it's provided here, it's part of the the setup of the tabernacle and it's going to be sort of positioned so that it's outside the curtain um of of the holy of holy place it's it's out there um, it's it's past where the um where the altar we talked about a while ago where all the slaughtering would take place was it's after that so before people could get into the presence of God, sin had to be dealt with, and now there's this new altar this altar of incense is going to be there it's much smaller um but it's a uh, it's a place of prayer, the altar of incense. It's a, it's a place of adoration and prayer. Uh, and, and in Revelation 5-8, when we read it, there's a, there's a vision of the elders uh, of the Old and the New Testament. They sound their harps and present their bowls of burning incense and that those are the embodiment of the prayers of the saints. So these pictures begin to tie in. This altar of incense was about prayer um, and, and what was happening. And so I like this picture because our prayers and our adoration of the Lord are like incense to Him. And we need to be aware of that. So when we um, uh, begin to pray and, and take that time to settle in on the Lord, it's, it's an act, like an offering of incense to the Lord. It's so important. And so, you know, I, I encourage you all the time to make sure that you're having that time in your life, that you're setting aside a time for just kind of sitting before the Lord and being thankful. And uh, a time, you know, of praise and a, a time of adoration and a time of prayer where you, where you connect. And you, you're not just on broadcast, you know, certainly you, you are speaking, but you're also listening. And you're, you're building that intimate relationship with God. Remember, we're involved in relationship and all relationships take time. Um, you, you will not have good relationships without investing time in them. And this being the most important relationship any of us will have, we need to make sure that we give it time. And, and so, again, life can get so busy and we can get so distracted and there's so many pulls on our life. Um, don't lose track of this one. Because, unfortunately, that's often where when we are pressed for time, it's what we give away first. And I, I just think that's, uh, that's like an attack. That's the, that's the enemy's plan to keep you disconnected and distracted. And so, you know, covet that time. Fight for that time in your life. You know, don't, you know, we, we talked last week. There was, there was time when, when they went in to light the candles in the morning and at, and at night. And it was a picture of, you know, at least making that connection um, with the Lord. In the process, this altar, this this altar is going to be built. We we'll read about it, it's covered in gold. Fascinating. Now, as you track through and you know the the things into the New Testament, it was at that altar that uh, Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist, uh, he was there worshiping when the angel Gabriel appeared to him and announced that he was going to become a parent in in, in his old age. Um, uh, of uh, John the Baptist, who was the the forerunner of of Messiah. I wanted to read that to you. It's in Luke 1, 5, 17. So you can begin to see these connections over time. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God. And Remember, we're reading about how Aaron and his family were in this process. Both of them were upright in the sight of God. Observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came... All the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth." Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So here's that altar of incense that we're about to read about and we see how it was a big part of, um, you know, John the Baptist and what was coming there in the process. All right, let me read you Exodus chapter 30. I'm reading out of the NIV. Whatever your translation is, is fine. These should show up overhead, and they're in the notes. And uh, here we go, beginning in verse 1. Make an altar of acacia wood for burning incense. It is to be square, a cubit long, and a cubit wide, and two cubits high. It's horns of one piece with it. So remember, a cubit was 17 and a half inches. So it's not very big, Right? Overlay the top and all the sides and the horns with pure gold and make a gold molding around it. Make two gold rings for the altar below the molding, two on opposite sides to hold the poles used to carry it. Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Put the altar in front of the curtain that is before the ark of the testimony before the atonement cover that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamp at twilight. So incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. Do not offer on this altar any other incense or any burnt offering or grain offering, and do not pour a drink offering on it. Once a year Aaron shall make atonement on its horns. This annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin offering for the generations to come. It is most holy to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, When you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he is counted. Then no plague will come on them when you number them. Each one who crosses over to those already counted is to give a half shekel, according to the sanctuary shekel, which weighs 20 giras. This half shekel is an offering to the Lord. All who cross over, those 20 years old or more, are to give an offering to the Lord. The rich are not to give more than a half a shekel, and the poor are not to give less, When you make the offering to the Lord to atone for your lives. Receive the atonement money from the Israelites and use it for the service of the tent of meeting. It will be memorial for the Israelites before the Lord making atonement for your lives. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. When they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting an offering made to the Lord by fire, they shall wash their hands and feet, so they shall not die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for the generations to come. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much, that is 250 shekels, of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant cane, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel, and a hen of olive oil. Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil. Then use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table and all its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and the basin with its stand. You shall consecrate them so they will be most holy, and whatever touches them will be holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Say to the Israelites, this is to be my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. Do not pour it on men's bodies and do not make any oil with the same formula. It is sacred and you are to consider it sacred. Whoever makes perfume like it and whoever puts it on anyone other than a priest must be cut off from his people. Then the Lord said to Moses, take fragrant spices, gum resin, onika and galbanum and and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. Grind some of it to powder and place it in front of the testimony at the end of the meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. Do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to enjoy its fragrance must be cut off from his people. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, a lot of stuff going there, you know. To start with, the last thing that we just read about, I, I would just imagine that that incense smelled really good, and uh, and they would catch a whiff of it every now and again, but they were never allowed to duplicate it for their own personal pleasure. Uh, it was to be considered holy to the Lord in what's happening, and so um, uh, that was a big deal. Because you know we have the recipe, but uh, that little admonition I wouldn't blow right past. <laughs> Yeah, we'll just pass on that. Uh, so, um, so this is what's taking place. And like I said, this altar of incense, it stood in the holy place. Uh, and it was just outside the gate or the, the curtain um, to the holy of holies so that when this incense was burning, you know, it would, it would be able to make its way through. And, and uh, it would be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Um, and this altar was um, overlaid with gold uh, again not like the previous altar that we read about which was bronze because this one was sacred and holy and uh, it, it, it talked about sort of it symbolized continual intercession to God it was, it was a place where uh, it was a place of prayer if you would it was to be made the first six verses said of acacia wood uh, a small square structure you know a foot and a half by a foot and a half by three feet Three feet high. So really, not very big when you think about it, but that was the altar of incense. Um, overlaid with gold. It had the rings in it that we've been reading about so these things could be transported by pole. Um, they weren't to be handled lightly. All these things to be respected. There was poles that would be carried. and There was ways to do all of that stuff. And um, there it was in the process. So there's that happening. Seven through ten. Um, and so then there's these uh, this list of how they're supposed to do this stuff you know rules procedures for what's happening and this incense was to be burned every morning and every evening and it symbolized the the prayer of the Saints uh, and, and communion with God um, it also says things not to use on that altar um, and and to make sure that the altar was never desecrated and then once a year we've already talked about this some presumably on the day of atonement Um, there would be a blood sacrifice on that altar. Again, it's a foreshadowing of um, Jesus coming and and fully atoning for the sin of mankind with His perfect sacrifice um, when He sheds His blood on the cross. Um, But, you know, the the reason they would have to put blood, you know, they would do it once a year so that the people would never begin to think that somehow the incense and the, the intercession was enough. Um, it wasn't. It was going to require um, a blood sacrifice and ultimately Jesus to make that happen. Now, uh, and then in verses 11 through 16, this this uh, the census is taken and everybody's counted um, of military age in effect, 20 and older. And when they're counted, they have to pay a half a shekel. And it doesn't matter how much money they have. If they got a lot of money, they can't buy their way out, or if they don't have much money, so it's not going to be an overwhelming amount. But uh, to anyone, but it's going to be a half a shekel, and it's it's interesting that it's used there. The word there is used as a ransom or atonement, um, because that that means to deliver or redeem by a substitute. In, in this case. Uh, uh, it was a ransom for their life or soul, D- depending on your translation. It's often called a ransom for the soul. In ours, it's a ransom for their life. They'll give this ransom for their life. There's a couple of things here. Um, the idea would be that as they're counted, the privilege of being counted as one of the people of God, um, that along with that would come the realization that they weren't worthy to be counted that way, because they were all sinned and had, the, you know, they got that whole process. So, so this offering was uh, uh, where this idea of atonement would, would come in, uh, that, that um, it, would, it would sort of serve as a substitute until the, the, the proper thing could happen. And um, it was always to be done at the time of census when they were counted because all this realization should happen, which is when we read later on, um, Many are, maybe some of you are aware when David orders a census to be taken and he... It causes a lot of problems. They think that the big problem behind that census taking was he didn't require this offering. And so all this mess happened, and that was a big problem between him and God. But we'll read about that six, seven years from now. (laughs) Yes. Um, So it's a picture of substitutionary atonement, which is what Jesus does for us. Jesus dies, as a substitute for sinner sinners, and so just to make sure everybody 's sort of aware of that process, the scripture teaches us very clearly that everybody 's a sinner we 've all messed up um, it, it, uh, you know it 's very clear in scripture that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, so none of us is going to is okay in just in who we are and also in in Romans, it says that the the penalty for sinfulness is death that 's what we deserve and it 's uh, that word their death, is, is a, it's about separation. So our sin has separated us from God, and, and it's an eternal problem. We are separated from God, and if something doesn't happen, we will continue to be separated from God forever. And so Jesus, um, His willingness to come and live a perfect life among us, a sinless, perfect life, born in a miraculous way, um, and then willingly going to the cross on our behalf... He becomes the ultimate sacrifice. And so when He dies on the cross, He, he dies in our place as a substitute. Um, we are the ones who are, deserve to be placed there, but He does it on our behalf. He takes the punishment on Himself in our place. He substituted Himself for us and took what we rightly deserve. In 2 Corinthians five uh, twenty-one, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 Peter 2, uh, 24 says, He Himself bore our sin in His body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by His wounds you have been healed. So so Jesus took the sins we committed, He took them to Himself to pay the price for us. Um, and, and so this is a picture of the substitution, uh, uh, the substitutionary atonement of Christ who still, settles once and for all the issue we have of being separated from God. And now all who believe in Him can be reconciled and are reconciled to the Lord. But back then it's a whole different process. Remember all of this stuff that had to go on and don't forget to wash your hands and wash your feet before you go in and only certain people are allowed in and then only the certain priest you know only once a year and even then you know you better be you better have it all together when you go in you're not going to last and they would make a, atonement for the people that would last for a year um, except for the little stuff that had to be dealt with every day wow but when Jesus comes He takes care of it once and for all the perfect but all of that Think about it. All those years that that happened, day after day after day after day after day after day day, was a picture of Messiah coming. A time would come. That that crimson thread of redemption that we've talked about would work its way through this period of history. And at the cross, it would finally be fulfilled for us. Uh, Then it talks about the Bronze Basin, verses 17 through 21. And this is where the foot washing and the hand washing would happen um, because that needed to take place. You will see some people who don't, follow some of these things and it does not go well with them some of Aaron's sons think they can take a shortcut and uh, yeah no back then there's no shortcuts Uh, and then um, that that whole the last of that thing is all about the anointing oil and the incense it was going to be made and it was to be considered so holy and sacred that if you were to make it outside of that setting you would be cut off from your people so that was a pretty big deal So all of that's going on, and we'll continue to go on, and we'll continue to talk about it as we work through Exodus. But that's enough for today. Um, If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Love to have you come and visit us. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a place for prayer. We'll pray for you, but that will uh, be